In your precious and holy name, amen. Thanks, Jeff. We're going to open our Bibles now. We are going to open to the book of Ecclesiastes, where it's the second last week we're going to be spending here. We're drawing to the end of the book. And today we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 11, uh, verses 7 through to chapter 12, verse 8. So please open your Bible so you can follow along. I'm going to invite Nikita up, and she's going to read for us this morning. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11 verse 7 Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun however many years anyone may live let them enjoy them all but let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many everything to come is meaningless you who are young be happy while you are young and let your hearts give you joy in the days of your youth follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Where the keepers, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Thank you, Nikita. Uh, keep your Bibles open to that passage. There's some tricky stuff in there. There's uh, a lot of poetry, um, which can be hard to kind of grasp, particularly at first grab. So we're going to work our way through this, and it'll be good if you can follow along um, as we do that together. Uh, I heard a, a quote the other day. Um, it was a motivational speaker. I think it was a basketballer. Uh, and he was speaking to a whole group of young athletes at a, at a college or something like that. And he was, you know, trying to, trying to motivate them as a motivational speaker does. Um, and he said to him, he, the, his thing was, uh, your life is made up of two dates and a dash between. Essentially, that, that's your life. Uh, two dates and a dash between. You know, that's, that's what's going to be on your tombstone. Uh, that's what your life is. And so his question is, um, what are you going to make of that dash? Uh, what's that going to be for you? <laughs> it is pretty inspiring, isn't it? You know, especially when you're young and you're, you're close to that first date, you're on the cusp of life and you're thinking, well, what can I make of that dash that represents my life? What can, what can that be for me? But it's also pretty daunting, isn't it? 
especially as you get older and you realize you're coming closer to the second of those two dates and your dash doesn't have much length left, what do you, what do, you do then? It's, it's, it's kind of pressuring. You, know, you feel like you've got to get cracking. When, when is that second date? I don't know. We've, it's getting closer. <laughs> See, age and, age and aging, it, it, it creates a pressure on us, doesn't it? There's, there's so much left to do. There's so much I, I haven't yet done that I want to do. I, there's so much of the world that I haven't seen yet. I'm not getting any younger. You know, when you're young, you're, only, you, you know, you're always wanting to be older. Oh, if only I was 18, then I can drink and party and do all those things that 18-year-olds do. If, if only I was 25 and you know, had my dream job and money and stuff to do with money. And if only. But then you get to a certain age and it turns around, doesn't it? And you think, if only I was younger. <laughs> you know, you, you, you go to somewhere like Derby and there are 12-year-old kids riding laps around you, absolutely smashing the place. And you feel old. Or you're watching, you're watching the footy on TV and the commentators are talking about this player and oh, he's a veteran and you know he's coming up to his retirement. He's 33. Like, he's younger than I am and he's retiring. It's, it's depressing, isn't it? Uh, we talk about biological clocks. We talk about uh, the prime of your life usually being behind you. We, we try to fool ourselves. You know, 40's a new 30 and 50's a new 40 and it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Let's be honest. What do we do when we age so fast? What do we do when it just seems like our life is this helter-skelter rush to the second of those two dates, to the end of that dash? How do we deal with that knowledge? Well, the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, we rejoice. We rejoice. He says, be happy. How? How can that be possible? Well, he says, let your satisfaction and joy be deeply rooted in God throughout your life. Let your satisfaction and joy be deeply rooted in God throughout your life. That's what he tells us in this passage, and we're going to unpack that together this morning with him. Now, if you've been here through this series, you've noticed that the teacher's often quite pessimistic. <laughs> That's perhaps an understatement. The teacher's got a pretty harsh view of life. Uh, at least a particular type of life. Because actually, when he comes to life itself, he, he's quite bullish, he's, he's quite pos uh, positive about it. And that's how he starts this passage. It's there in chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. Um, you know, light is a metaphor for life here. Uh, he's saying life is sweet. Light, life is delightful. It's, it's beautiful. It's to be embraced and enjoyed. So do that, he says. Be pleased in it. But, verse 8, however many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. If you've been through this series, uh, we'll have, we've encountered the word meaningless many times. It pops up 30 or 40 times in this book. Uh, it's the Hebrew word havel, you might remember that. Uh, which is a tricky word to translate. There's a, there's a whole range of meanings encapsulated in this. In this context, though, in the context of life and its brevity and ageing, uh, it's better to translate that as fleeting. So just think that, not, not meaningless per se, but fleeting. Everything to come is fleeting. The teacher's saying life passes. It passes quickly. But enjoy it still. Yes, there are days of darkness, that is death coming, that is inevitable. But however many years you have, remember 
Life is sweet. Life is good. So enjoy it. Embrace it. And in fact, he says, especially do that when you're young. Now look at verses 9 to 10. You who are young, be happy while you're young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Now I don't know what young meant uh, to the teacher, whether, whether young is like teens or young is 20s, 30s maybe. <laughs> or if it's like young as in you have a young heart. Uh, but either way, it's, it's amazing advice, isn't it? Um, when you're young, enjoy life. Embrace life. Grab it with both hands. Be, be happy. Follow your heart. Whatever your eyes see, do it. <laughs> Just go out there and live, he says. It's, it's advice to be careful of. I mean, imagine, I would never tell my kids, just do whatever your heart wants. <laughs> uh, that would be dangerous. But he doubles down on it, doesn't it? In verse 10, he says, embrace life. That is, throw off anxieties. Don't, don't worry about the, the, the brevity of life. Don't uh, stress about those things. Put them aside. You know, youth and vigor, that, again, it's not meaningless, fleeting. Those things will pass. So grab them while you've got them. You're only young once. So be carefree, he says. Just live. But did you notice the but in there? Live, but live knowing that God will bring you into judgment. That is, live knowing that God will call you to account for what you do in your life. Okay, that's, that's unexpected. So have fun, you know, enjoy life, do what makes you happy, but God is going to judge. <laughs> that's, that's an odd couple of things to put together, isn't it? Uh, enjoy life, but you're going to be judged. How do these things work? Is that, I mean, is that even possible? Isn't that kind of the opposite of having fun? Being judged surely is everything that being, having fun is not. I mean, what... What is it? Like love life, but make sure you meet the pass mark? How, how is it that joy and judgment go together? How is it that they can go hand in hand? Well, here's, here's what the teacher's saying. Here's what the teacher's trying to remind us. He's telling us, know that God is over life. Know that God is over life. You know, God is, uh, he says, the boundary setter in life. Uh, he's the one who made it. He's the one who designed it, uh, who, who brought it into being as it is. And therefore, he's the one who has decided how it works. That is, what is good in life and what's not good in life. So the teacher is saying, follow your heart, do as your eyes see, but be conscious of him and the way he has designed and set this life to be. That is the path to rejoicing, embracing life, but doing it in light of God. Uh, a while back, um, we bought ourselves a board game. Uh, it was a game we, we played once with friends. We decided we loved it, so we thought we'll buy our own copy so we can play it whenever we like. Um, it's called Power Grid. I don't know, some of you have probably played it. Uh, if you have, it's a complicated game. Um, the, you know, the rule book is thick. It's difficult to read and even harder to understand. But anyway, we'd played it once. We read the rules quickly. We figured it that we you know, kind of knew how it worked. And so we started playing it. We, played it with ourselves, we played it with some other friends. 
But we never quite enjoyed it as much as that first time we played it at our friend's house. We, it, was just never, it was never the same. You know, we get to these points and we think the rules don't really seem to make sense here. And sometimes the ending of the game would be really weird and you could kind of manipulate it strangely against the spirit of the game to win the game. And it, it just wasn't really that enjoyable. It was, it was kind of disappointing, so it started gathering dust on the shelf. But then some friends came to stay um, who had owned the game for years and we thought, okay, we'll, we'll get it back out and we'll play it with them. And we're playing along and we're playing as we always play. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's not how you play the game. <laughs> that, that's not the rules at all. That's, that's, that doesn't even make any sense. They said, look, and they took us to the rule book and they showed us what the rules actually meant and they explained how the rules worked. And the thing, that, that was the problem. We'd completely misunderstood the rules. We weren't playing the game right at all. And as a result, we weren't enjoying it. But once they corrected us, once they showed us how the rules actually worked, all of a sudden the game worked. I mean, imagine that. You know, play by the rules and it works. And it was fun again. See, that's the thing. You know, not following the rules didn't actually make the game better. It made the game worse. It caused frustration. It robbed us of any fun in it. And the teacher's saying the same is true of life. The same is true of life. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, US president, uh, once said, order without liberty and liberty without order are equally destructive. Uh, I'll repeat that. Order without liberty and liberty without order are equally destructive. Now we get one and a half of that. You know, too many rules is not fun. <laughs> you know, too many rules, no freedom, no one enjoys that. But he says the opposite is equally unfun. No rules is equally destructive. Jesus picks up on a similar idea in John chapter 8, verse 32. He says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you see what he says? It's not that freedom will set you free, as in having the, the ability to do absolutely anything and everything. That's not freedom. He says, truth leads to freedom. Knowing the right way of things, the right order of things, knowing the boundaries to things, that is the path to real freedom. And as the teacher's been saying here, that's the path of real joy. Now notice it's not our truth. It's not that I define the truth and then that's the path to joy because that just causes conflict with others. Now, what we're being told here is it's the truth. That is God's truth, God's ways. That is the path to rejoicing and to a happy life. But there's a problem there as well, isn't there? Because I don't know if you've noticed this about ourselves, but we have a pathological tendency to break rules, don't we? I mean, we can't even keep our own rules for life, you know, the things that we set ourselves to do. We can't keep society's rules. We, we break rules all the time. And at the heart of things, the same is true of God's rules. We break them left, right and centre. And that's a problem because if following God's rules is the path to joy, we've got an issue then, don't we? In fact, we've got a big issue because not only does breaking God's rules rob us of the joy that we could have in this life, but as the teacher reminds us, it's going to be a problem when God judges us, isn't it? When we face him and have to make an account for everything we've done and we have to say, we've broken your rules. 
A bit later in the Bible, in the book of Romans, Paul writes uh, that the wages, that is the judgment or the deserved outcome for sin, for disobeying God's rules, the wages of that is death. And he goes on to wrestle with that. He says, but, but what a wretched man I am. You know, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He looks at his life and he says, I break those rules. I deserve that wage. Death ought to be mine. How wretched am I? So it's not just I'm missing out on joy, but I'm, I'm destined for that sentence, for, for destruction. How can I face that? Well, this is what he says just a bit later. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's something precious there, isn't there? God, who is the judge, is also God who is the deliverer. Because he's God who sent Jesus. Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who always uh, stayed within the boundaries that God had set, who'd always kept God's rules, who did it flawlessly. Jesus, whose perfect life therefore counts in my place as a gift to me, whose death on the cross, counts in for my punishment and for my judgment, who thereby is my deliverer and the deliverer of all who believe and who trust in him. See, God will judge me for my sins. And I know better than any of you, I know that the verdict for that judgment would be ugly. I know what I deserve. Except that in the heavenly court is written over my case file, settled in Jesus. And there is freedom to live, isn't there? Knowing that that is the truth, knowing that that is the case, knowing that all that I have done wrong, every rule that I've broken has already been brought to just judgment. That is freedom. To do as a teacher says, to be joyful, to be happy in my, in my youth or whatever's left of my youth. And if you are in Jesus, then that is for you as well. You can rejoice. There's no fear of that judgment. There's no dread of what might be or the sentence that may come against you because Jesus has borne all of that for you. And so you are simply invited to live, to embrace life and, and to, to grab hold of it and to enjoy it. It's sweet. It's delightful, so, so take it. Don't stress over its brevity, but live with what your heart inclines you to, whatever's before your eyes. Live with what God's given. In His good and, and freeing and joy-giving design, not fearful, but hopeful. Delight in life, but let your joy be rooted in God in what he has done for you through Jesus, and therefore, truly be happy. See, it's there that we start to find joy in God, and it's there that we start to find fulfillment, not only in our youth, but even as age approaches. I mean, we're not young forever, <laughs> if only. So how do we live? Well, the teacher says we live with our eyes open. Have a look at chapter 12, uh, the first five verses there. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. 
before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about in the streets. I mean, it's a, it's a great piece of poetry, isn't it? The, the language is, is evocative and it's, it's, it's quite powerful. Um, and it's this, this picture of old age approaching and, and old age uh, and, and, and what it's like. Um, the, the pictures can be a little bit hard to pick out, so let's just work through it. Uh, the teacher talks about um, the sun and the light, the moon and the stars dimming. You know, he talks about uh, a, a darkness settling over life, uh, eyesight failing. He talks about a storm, a storm sorry, that is difficult times approaching. He paints this picture of, uh, of trembling in, in one's limbs and uh, of stooping and not being able to reach your full height again. He talks about grinders uh, being few. That's kind of a picture of teeth, most likely. He talks about eyes growing dim, of restlessness at night, of hearing growing faint, of things that used to be easy or achievable will be becoming uh, scary and difficult. Um, he talks about almond trees blossoming. Now, I read this week that apparently an almond tree blossom starts coloured and then over time loses its colour. Uh, if so, a picture of hair becoming white with age. He talks about just simply slowing down. You know, a grasshopper uh, bounds along, but now the grasshopper drags its legs. It's, it's not able to move like it used to. He talks about desire fading. He's saying, we age. And this is roughly a picture of what aging looks like. We get old and things aren't what they used to be. I mean, it's no secret. <laughs> it's no great mystery. We get old and life changes. A minister of mine used to say, old age isn't for wimps. You know, I mean, you've got to agree, don't you? It's hard. Life changes and it's a losing of what we once gained. Now, someone once said, when you're young, you have a right knee and a left knee, but when you're old, you have a good knee and a bad knee. And that, I mean, that's kind of the picture that the teacher's painting, isn't it? You know, you used to have this, but now things have changed. It's not what you used to be. We, you know, we spend our youth, you know, and the boundaries of our life grow, where we get to do more and more and go more and more places and have a, a greater and bigger life. But then at some point, that process reverses and it starts to shrink back down. And we slowly lose what we'd gained. And then life ends. Verses 6 through 8. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Life is a precious thing, therefore the picture of silver and gold. Uh, life is a, is a useful thing, thereby the picture of the, the pitcher and the spring at the well. But life breaks. We grow old 
Our bodies slow down, they break down, and then we die. We return to the dust from which we were made. We return to God who gave us life. Meaningless, empty, futile. Or is it? Is that all there is? Did you see what the the teacher said at the start of that section? Remember your creator in those days. And that is not just have a memory of him, like I remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, um, but remember, it's, uh, remember like, like what we say at Anzac Day, you know, lest we forget. Um, it's, it's actively remember, not just intellectually, but remember in a way that shapes your life and that, that guides your, your actions and your thinking and your decision-making now. Remember him. Remember your creator. He is your creator. Remember that. He's the beginning of your life. He's the one who knew you even as you were being formed in your mother's womb. He is the one who knit you together, who knew you even before time began. Remember your creator, the one who is your beginning. But remember him because he is also your ending, the teacher says. He is the one to whom your spirit returns. Remember him, he is God. He is God, the giver of life. He is God, the ender, the receiver of life. He is the start and the finish. And it's in that context that we understand aging and getting older well. Remember God through it all and over it all. And there, instead of fear, is confidence. I spoke about knees before. I I had a bad knee, which is hopefully now becoming an okay knee, uh, as a result of an operation last year to fix, fix an ACL. Um, I heard it playing basketball, it needed an op. In the uh, wisdom of our system, two and a half years later, I made it to the top of the waiting list. And in that time, uh, it had stopped hurting. It actually felt reasonably fine. And so it was kind of hard to come out of surgery then, because coming out of surgery, waking up, uh, my knee wasn't so good. <laughs> actually, it was huge. It was the size of my head. It was pink, which the kids thought was awesome. Uh, It was bruised and it was full of cuts and stitches and it really hurt. (laughs) It's, It's terribly ironic. It didn't hurt that morning, but I tell you, it hurt that afternoon. Now, that'd be a devastating outcome, wouldn't it? I would have been absolutely rocked by that had I not had a conversation with the surgeon beforehand where he'd said, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna look ugly. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Be pre-warned. It'll be hard, but it's all in hand. And that's what the teacher's saying here, isn't it? It's going to be hard. You're going to get old. Your limitations will shrink. Your body will break down. You'll experience more hurts and pains than at any other point in your life. So remember your Creator. Remember him. He is the beginning of your life. He is the ending of your life as well. It is not a mistake. It's not a disaster here. He is there from start. He is there to the finish. And he has every moment in between all in hand. He is there through it all. Don't forget that. See, there's a peace there, isn't there? 
What, what, what a thing to remember. Your life from start all the way through to finish and on every twist and turn that you experience along the way, all of it is rooted in God and in who he is, in his grace and his goodness and all these things that we've heard about. But there's even more hope here as well because we can get beyond what the teacher says. We know there's more to this story. That yes, God is the beginning of life. Yes, God is the ending of life. But he is also the re-beginning of life. Because God has done something phenomenal that the, 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 the teacher didn't even know about. That he still had yet to learn about. And here's what the Bible says. This is uh, later in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. That is the hope that we have. Your broken and aging body, in a flash at God's trumpet call, it will be changed. And what is perishable now will in that moment become imperishable. You'll be you, it'll be your body, your physical self, like you but better, perfected, never to age, never to break down, but to live and to live forever. Jesus is raised and so too will you be if you're in him. You'll be raised like him. You'll be raised to a life that will never end. You'll be raised to enjoy the fulfillment of God's beautiful and eternal plan. His, his people perfected in his fixed and restored and renewed creation forever. A place where there'll be no aging, no tears, no mourning, no death. That is where you are destined. You'll be raised. Death has no hold on you because Christ has broken it. Death has no lasting power over you because God's power is greater. You and I, we will, we will certainly taste death, but we will not stay there. When God calls, we will live again forever. You will age now. Your body will fall to pieces. It will stop working as it ought. You will not be able to do the things that you used to, and death will approach. For some of you, that will be very sudden, for some of you, it will be a slow descent. But for every single one of us, it is a certainty. But don't fear that. Don't despair. Instead, remember. Remember God, your creator. Remember God, who will receive your life. Remember God, the recreator. The one who will give you life eternal. Remember him and root your life in him and in who he is. Uh, do it now. <laughs> do it while you're young. I mean, you're not invincible. It's not something you can. It's not something you should put off until you're older. Do it now. You need him already. So root your life in him. Start building your life on him. And it will be better for you as you do age. And if you're older, don't delay. Be rooted and established in him now. Let your, let your joy, let your satisfaction rest in him and in him alone. And it won't matter that life's short. It won't matter that old age catches up on you. It won't matter that you will be called to account. Because he is your life. 
and his son is your deliverer. So trust him, rest in him, and enjoy, embrace the life that he has given you now. Let's give thanks to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know how easy it is for us to fear ageing, to, to fear inevitable death. Every day we feel our limitations, we, we are confronted with the finality of life. We, we feel the, the limiting of our potential and the, the ending of opportunities. But you have given us a better hope. You have freed us from the fear of judgment through Jesus' perfect sacrifice in our place and the forgiveness that he gives freely. You've freed us from the fear of the end because you've promised us a life without end in Jesus' resurrection. Father, you are so good to us. You are the forgiving and life-giving God. Father, help us never to forget that. Help us not to live in fear, but instead remembering you to live joyfully and hopefully our entire life and being rooted deeply in you and in what you have done in Jesus.